Hey, the iron skillet is coming to an end apparently in 2025 or TCU is putting the series on an indefinite pause and SMU fans are upset about it, obviously. So we'll talk about that. We'll also discuss uh, TCU hasn't brought in another transfer quarterback, appears that they're not going to, and some realignment talk in the last segment. Are UConn and Gonzaga still on the table for Brett Yormark in the Big 12? All that coming up next, and uh, it's Locked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, subscribe to the show on its YouTube channel, Locked On Horn Frogs. You can also find us wherever you get podcasts in its audio form. You can follow me on Twitter at Simcox Stephen. The show is at Locked On TCU. And some fun news that came down today, or at least some news that has sparked plenty of discussion within the TCU community. Uh, the battle for the Iron Skillet, TCU and SMU have been playing for years. And, you know, in the past couple decades, it's obviously been a series that TCU has dominated. SMU did get two wins when Sonny Dykes was head coach there um, in 2019 and then 2021. They did not play during the COVID season of 2020. And there's been a lot of discussion among TCU fans for years now. How much longer are we going to play this game every season? Why do we keep going to Dallas to play this as a true home and home? That's not typical amongst, you know, major power five teams. And Brett McMurphy uh, broke this news on Twitter today. He says TCU is indefinitely pausing its series with SMU after the 2025 game. Sources told the Action Network the schools located 35 miles apart first met in 1915. This year's game at TCU will be the 102nd meeting between the Horn Frogs and the Mustangs in the Iron Skillet rivalry. So there's been a lot of reaction to this. And uh, I love to hear your thoughts every day on this platform, right? Like whether it's in the YouTube comments, on Twitter, I always want to hear from you. Whether you're a TCU fan, an opposing fan that stumbles across the video, whatever the case may be. I really want to hear your thoughts today because this is something that I've seen a ton of people weigh in on. I think there's a lot of different angles to it. We're going to try to dissect it here in segment one. But please comment here on YouTube. Uh, let me know on Twitter. Are you upset about this? Do you not care? Are you happy that this is happening? There's been a lot of criticism levied toward TCU today. And I think some of it is legitimate. Most of it is not. I personally like the series. I think it's, you know, it's cool that the two teams have played against each other for so long. Um, it's it's cool for the Metroplex. Bottom line is, TCU is obviously a much bigger national brand than SMU at this point. SMU historically was really good. You go through the death penalty, you know, come back, hasn't been the same. They're still there in the American Conference. They are a school in a university that desperately wants to get back into major college football. Hasn't happened. Thought it might happen with the Pac-12. We saw what has happened to the Pac-12 now. They have, you know, fallen apart. Maybe they rebuild it with some remains of, you know, the four that are left over, the Mountain West, or maybe they merge with the American. Remains to be seen. But bottom line, as of now, things look pretty bleak for SMU as far as, you know, taking that step up to major Power Five football now. but And it's, it's crazy to say Power Five because it's really a Power Four. Some people would say it's just the Power Two. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. You understand what I'm getting at. Um, I think it's a cool series. I think it's really awesome that the two schools have played for such a long time. I 
have some, I wouldn't say I'm sad. Like I wouldn't go as far as say I'm sad. I'm disappointed that it's ending. I think it's kind of lame that it's ending. I understand from TCU's perspective, it was a true home and home series. You know, they had to go out to Dallas every other year, which is obviously not a long road trip, but not the best facilities out there at Gerald Ford Stadium. Um, it's a game that from a competitive standpoint, I've said this before, if TCU wins, it doesn't look great on the resume. If they lose, then uh, it's it's bad for TCU. Now, I think one part of this is once you go to the expanded playoff, I'm not sure a loss to SMU just completely eliminates you from playoff contention, especially when you can win a conference title and get an automatic bid. But I get what people are saying, right? And I said this day on Twitter, I'm like, I get why TCU fans are over this, but I personally enjoy the series. I'm sad to see it go. And Tommy Fisher said, uh, I think if it was going to be played, there's zero reason for a legit Power 5 school to do a home-and-home with a group of five school. I could understand it being at the Carter every year, but us going there every other year gives them relevance that they don't deserve. I know a lot of TCU fans have the opinion. Fine. If that was the sticking point, if it really did just come down to we're tired of going out there every other season, we're tired of it being a home-and-home, unless you're going to make it like a two-for-one or you come to Fort Worth, um, all the time, which SMU is not going to do that, then we're going to end the series. So if that was the sticking point, then they end of the series. I think really how I feel about this is mainly going to be determined by what they do moving forward, right? Like I understand the reasons to cancel, to cancel the series. SMU and TCU is historically a rivalry. I think it's a game that TCU fans hate to lose. I don't feel like most TCU people would say SMU is a rival. Like, I guess in by definition they are, but it's not a series that in the past two decades have been very competitive. SMU fans might say, well, hey, were you there? Did you, you know, fall off a bridge? Were you there in 2021 and 2019 when SMU won those games? Yes, I was very aware that those games happened. I also know that that was at the end of the Gary Patterson era. Things were not going very well for TCU football. In 2019, a true freshman quarterback in Max Duggan played the majority of that game. They were still switching out reps between him and Alex Delton, um, and they almost came back and won that football game. And 2021, you know, that was a season that they were poised to be really good. TCU, I'm talking about, didn't happen. They completely fell apart. The lost SMU was the beginning of that. And on the other sideline was Sonny Dykes, who's a really good football coach, and he is now the head coach at TCU. And those were, you know, that and then an upset, like right after the Rose Bowl season. Um, and that's pretty much been the extent of SMU success lately in the Iron Skillet rivalry. It is historically a game, um, or not historically, but recently a game that TCU has handled their business in with the exception of those, you know, two seasons that we just talked about, right? And so it's, it's a game on the schedule that I, I get why TCU was tired of playing it year after year after year. But now the question is, what do you do with that slot? You have some non-conference games scheduled through 2030, and I'll run down some of those matchups. So in 2024, you got Stanford and SMU. 2025, North Carolina, Abilene Christian, SMU. That's when the series is set to end. So we're looking at three more games against uh, the Ponies, and then the series will take an indefinite pause. In 2026, North Carolina's on the docket, 2027 Stanford, 2028 Duke, 2029 Duke, and then 2030 you have Purdue. I would like to see some more marquee non-conference matchups from TCU. 
because there was a lot of discussion today on, oh man, TCU can finally go out there now and go get some major, like possibly home and home matchups with non-conference opponents, with power five opponents. I'll tell you, lately TCU scheduling in non-con has been pretty underwhelming. If you're talking about huge matchups, like it's been teams like Purdue, Cal, uh, this year it'll be Colorado. They had the home and home with Colorado. And yeah, Colorado this season, it's going to be a good game from like a national prowess standpoint because Deion Sanders brings a ton of attention to the Buffaloes. It's his first game in major college football as a head coach. Big noon kickoff's going to be there. Fox is going to be there. It's the huge premier game in the 11 a.m. window. I think it's a game that TCU should win relatively easily. And you know, ultimately, Colorado's been a bad program lately. That could turn around. That's what it is right now. Um, the North Carolina matchup should be good. Like, Mac Brown's doing a good job there. Don't know how much longer he's going to be there. But he's turned that thing around. Um, Stanford, okay. It remains to be seen where Stanford football is as far as, you know, conference affiliation in the next few years. But, hey, that's another good brand name. Uh and they played they played Ohio State in Jerry World. They played LSU in Jerry World. And, you know, back to the Mountain West days, they've had games against Oklahoma on the road and uh, Oregon State. Like, they've swung for the fences. And so if you're going to do that, if you're going to swing for the fences and get some big-time matchups, and they're not going to do it every year. They're not going to play two Power Five teams every year. In fact, I have some serious doubts on, you know, how many times they'd play two Power Five teams uh, in their non-conference schedule. Because usually their system – or Typically, their system has been Power 5 opponent, uh, FCS game, basically a scrimmage, right, against an FCS opponent. And then, you know, your group of five game, which for a long time now has always been SMU. And so if you're just going to swap that out with another group of five school, I'm not thrilled about that. Um, I guess the advantage is, as Tommy kind of pointed out, most likely that's always going to be a home game. So it's an extra home game, which is, you know, it's a benefit, right? Uh, but I would like to see some big-time non-con matchups in the coming seasons. And that's not going to happen tomorrow. I mean, that's like kind of a, a more long-term thing, and we'll have to see where it goes. The criticism that is, you know, coming down on TCU today that I'm sort of just laughing at is there's a lot of people that are just upset. And it's, uh, it's people outside the TCU-SMU sphere who are basically saying like, oh man, this is what's wrong with college sports. This is what's wrong with college football. All these traditional historical rivalries are ending. You know, regionality is leaving the game. I I get where people are coming from, but from a national perspective, how many people were really watching the TCU-SMU game every year? I think people that don't like TCU got a big kick out of SMU beating them for a few seasons. Um, but were they, you know, were they locked into ESPNU Last fall at 11 a.m. when they were taking on SMU, or the back in 2019, I was just kind of thinking through this today. I think that game was on Fox Sports Southwest, which is now Bally Sports, and Bally Sports doesn't even do college football anymore. Um, Fox has, you know, licensed all those games out to National Fox, FS1, and maybe they'll throw a game on FS2 occasionally. And they got the Big Ten Network as well, but you know, TCU's not going to be on there. And so, it's not like. Like TCU-SMU, it's a fun rivalry. I think people know across the country that they are rivals. But I don't feel like, you know, Dave in Iowa is like, oh, my Hawkeyes play at 2.30. That means I can watch TCU-SMU at 11 a.m. Maybe if he comes across it, I'll watch it for a little bit. 
And last year's game had some legitimate juice to it because it was Sonny returning to Dallas. I remember Ross Dellinger had a piece on it. The Dallas Morning News, you know, wrote a few stories about SMU fans and their feelings about Sonny coming back and what, you know, what it was going to be like and the reception he was going to get. But then once the game started, I mean, they made this huge deal about it being a sellout. It wasn't the electric atmosphere that they had promised. And I just don't think, like, this is going to, TCU's going to take some heat on this for a day or two, right? They'll be the butt of the joke. SMU fans are going to say that they're scared. That's not the case either. TCU's not scared. They're not scared of playing SMU. This is a, hey, we need to end this rivalry because it doesn't really benefit us anymore. Um, am I, like, excited about this? No, not really. I liked the SMU game. I thought it was cool. I thought it was, an, an, you know, a nice thing that those two teams played each other. I understand where TCU is coming from. Ultimately, I think my decision about this, my feelings about this, will be based on, okay, what do you do with this opportunity now? I will say this. Jeremiah Donati, the athletic director, and, you know, when he was hired, like, I think there were a lot of people that thought, well, this is just Crystal Conti's sidekick. This wasn't an out-of-the-box hire. TCU's a great job. What is he going to do? But man, like this is a guy that is not afraid to take on unpopular decisions. I mean, he, when, when the Gary Patterson situation was playing out and it was pretty obvious that something had to happen, that took some backbone to go in there and tell a coach that, you know, famously has a statue outside the stadium and is the winningest coach in program history. Like, Hey, we got to go a different direction. When, Son- when he hired Sonny Dykes, you know what? It wasn't like, I don't think people were mad about it, but I feel like there were a lot of people that were lukewarm about it. They were sort of like, okay, let's see what Sonny can do. Don't know a lot you know, about him outside that he's done a good job at SMU, and hopefully it continues to be, but right now we'd say that's a home run hire, right? Like last season couldn't have gone better with the exception of what happened in the national title game. He went and got Kirk Sar- He promoted Kirk Sarloose when Jim Soschnigel left, and that um, appears to be a really good choice. I could continue to go on. You guys know what he's done. He's ended the SMU series now. He's going to take some heat for that, and I get it. But I will say, like, uh, Donati just seems to have a good feel and a, a pulse for how college sports is changing, what's happening in the future, and I can appreciate that he makes tough decisions because, uh, you know, that's what you expect people in power to do but they don't always do it. When we come back, um, we'll talk a little bit about the quarterback situation, just kind of an update there, and we'll get into some realignment talk later. Please give me your thoughts, though, on you know the TCU-SMU rivalry taking a pause after the 2025 season. We'll do that next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, I do want to talk about one of our great sponsors, though, FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel.com. Slash lockdown. They have a really cool promotion going on right now. NFL season is just around the corner. Preseason games are going on right now. Before we know it, we'll be in season opening weekend. And FanDuel has a really cool thing going on at the moment where if you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, pick your Super Bowl winner. So if you think it's you think the Chiefs are going to repeat, if you think, as much as it pains me to say it, if you think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to, you know, make it back as the NFC champs won the Super Bowl, San Francisco, maybe uh you you're mentally ill and you think the Cowboys could win it all. I joke. I'm a Cowboys fan. I hope, I hope it happens, but you know, I've, I've seen enough of this. You can go to fanduelcom dot slash locked on, pick your Super Bowl winner 
And if you do that, um, then you can get rewarded with bonus bets every time your pick does well. So if you pick a team to win the Super Bowl and they start winning the regular season, you'll get rewarded with bonus bets through FanDuel. You can use those for parlays, money line wagers, whatever you'd like. FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. They're the official betting partner of the NFL and a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. FanDuel, we are happy that they're rolling with us. All right, so segment two here in Lockdown Orange Frogs. I want to talk about the quarterback situation for a little bit. We discussed Chance Nolan leaving, and we've, you know, talked about that and, and everything that's happened. We're about two weeks from the opening game against Colorado. Um, well, two weeks from Saturday. That's crazy. It's coming up, guys. And they haven't added anyone in the transfer portal. I think, you know, it's safe to say at this point they're probably not going to. So what does that mean for the TCU depth chart? At quarterback, well, Chandler Morris is quarterback one. I mean, they haven't like they haven't come out and officially announced that, but that's just I'm telling you that's the case. He's going to start against Colorado. He's going to be your starting quarterback all year. I don't really think there's a question about that at this point in time. Um, moving forward, March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. After that, you got Josh Hoover. Uh, the backup from Rockwall Heath, um, who did a really nice job in spring camp and coaching staff really likes what he's done in fall camp reportedly. And then your third guy is Grant Tisdale. I mean, Grant Tisdale is a walk-on. Uh, he was originally at Old Miss, also spent some time in the JUCO ranks, has transferred around, now was a pretty like highly rated quarterback um, coming out of high school, was a four-star player, uh, he's been at Old Miss, Cisco College, Southeastern Louisiana. And I talked about this with uh, with Brian Smith not too long ago. It's it's the um, it's sort of the new wave of college football. And one of the tough things to do is to keep quality quarterbacks on your roster. And then it's almost like these kind of super senior types that have been around for a while. One uh, one new opportunity they have in the transfer portal era is it's kind of like a good backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, through the years, if, if you are a vet and you understand systems and you know how to do things, you can kind of carve out a place as backup QB. I'm not saying that's who Grant Tisdale is, but he's been around a lot, right? He's been at three different schools. This will be his fourth stop. So he has a good understanding of offenses, you know, terminology, how to call plays, how to lead an offense, et cetera. Now, if Grant Tisdale ends up playing significant snaps for TCU, then something's gone wrong. It means that, and that's not a knock against him. That's just where he is on the depth chart. It means that there's been some injuries, some things have gone awry. Um, I realize that there are people that are concerned that they are not bringing someone else in, or it appears they're not going to bring anyone else in. I get it, but I would just say this. If you're down to your third QB in most cases, that's not a great thing. And if you're not comfortable, fully comfortable with Josh Hoover at QB, 
understandable. You know, I can't say who that guy is or what he would do in a game situation because I haven't seen him play. Um, he wasn't the highest rated guy or most highly touted guy coming out of high school. Um, but he put up big numbers and, you know, during his time at Rockwall and threw the ball around, played in an offense similar to what Kendall Bryles is running uh, here at TCU. So hopefully he has a good understanding and a good grasp of what they're going to do. It seems like he's impressed the coaching staff. Uh, do I wish that they had a more experienced quarterback as their number two? Yeah. Do I wish they had either a really experienced guy who had taken some snaps or a young freshman um, with a lot of talent as their number three? Sure. In an ideal world, that's the case. It's not an ideal world. This is kind of where they're at. And, you know, Chance Nolan, they went and got him. I was surprised they were able to get him. Um, but he looked around and decided, you know what, this is not for me. Moving on. I don't think there was a lot they could have done about that. If he was ready to move on from the game of football, uh, then there's probably no convincing him otherwise. And if his heart and his mind weren't in it, then I doubt he would have played great, you know, if he was on the field. And that's not knocking against Sam. That's just like football is a game where you got to be all in. You can't be – you can't have one foot out. You can't, you know, look around and try to find a way to, to do it half-heartedly. Um, and so if he wasn't fully invested, then yeah, it's probably best that he left. It stinks that he left, you know, in the middle of fall camp or three practices into the start of the season, the timing could have been a lot better, but they went after players in the transfer portal. They struck out, they went after, you know, I guess really just one, um, high school quarterback late in the cycle with Jaden Rashada and that didn't work out. And so they were left with who they have, which in this case is Josh Hoover and Grant Tisdale. Um, yeah, there's some concern about can you keep Chandler Morris healthy? Uh, and it's it's a big question. It's probably the biggest question of the year. You know, besides like what the offense can do under a new system with a lot of unproven players at the skill positions, how much can the defense improve? Quarterback health might be question number one and could be potentially the biggest indicator of was this a outstanding follow-up season for TCU football or was it a step back because things didn't go the way they're planned? And so offensive line's going to have to protect him. He's going to have to find a way to stay upright and stay healthy. Uh, but I think regardless of whether or not Chance was in camp, that was going to be a huge question that hovered over the season. And if he was there – yeah, you would feel better about the backup quarterback situation. You would feel better about having a player um, that could get things done and play at a high level. But the bottom line is that's not the case. And so and, unless something crazy happens here, I don't see a world where uh, TCU brings in another QB and it appears that they're going to stick with who they got and move forward with that crew. Um, and hopefully Grant Tisdale gives them a really good look in practice and can do some things for, you know, a scout team that allows the defense to succeed. And if Josh Hoover or, or he are called upon, um, they can command the offense and do the best they can. But that's sort of an update on where we are with quarterbacks as we sit basically two weeks from the season. We'll come back and wrap things up. And when we do, uh, UConn and Gonzaga, has Brett Yormark shut the door on those schools potentially being a part of the Big 12. We'll talk about that next in Lockdown Hard Frogs. So 
So an update on the realignment front. Uh, we know what the Big 12 is going to look like soon. It's going to be pretty crazy with a lot of different schools. Uh, we'll have up to 16, you know, um, or no, actually I guess we'll be up to 18 here uh, in 2024 with the addition of Utah and Colorado and the two Arizona schools, Arizona and Arizona State. And so Brett Yormark, who's done a great job kind of cobbling this conference together and getting it to a place um, where where it works, has been making the media rounds. And he spoke on the Sports Business Journal podcast, and he was asked about UConn and Gonzaga. And there was a lot of smoke like last spring about Gonzaga, that it was almost a done deal. Um, there was also heavy discussions with UConn, apparently. And Brett Yormark, I, I've talked about this in the podcast before, he is not a college football guy by trade. Um, that's not what he grew up thinking about cheering for, you know, he's from Indiana originally. He spent some time with the Brooklyn Nets. He's been around the NBA. He's more of a basketball guy and he's in a conference that's really good at basketball. I mean, the big 12 is the best basketball conference in the nation and it's only getting stronger with the teams that they've added. Um, and so he's, you know, he thinks there's an untapped revenue market in basketball. He sees a world where you could separate these television rights deals and you can say, okay, we want you to pay this much for football, but we have a great basketball product. We have a you know, conference that has great games and great matchups every single night. And so if you want basketball, you're going to have to pay a separate fee for these basketball rights. And we're going to talk about how to market these games and how to distribute them in a way that's beneficial for you know the league and the television networks. Um, and one step in doing that would be adding some more schools as potentially a basketball-only member. Uh, and Gonzaga would make a lot of sense in that regard. UConn was also sort of talked about and rumored uh, to be an option as, as an all-sports ad, which I was against. You know, and Alex Frank came on the show, and he explained from a business perspective, like it's about getting in New York City. It's about being adaptable. It's about spreading into all these different time zones and understanding, you know, how the landscape is shifting, being ahead of the game. I get that. It doesn't change the fact for me that, I, I don't think UConn's football program, even though they've improved a little bit under Jim Mora, is at a place where they can compete in the Big 12. Um, and I'm just skeptical about, like, yes, New York City is a, a massive media hub. It's the biggest media market in the country, you could argue, right? Um, but I don't, like, I, I assume there's some college sports fans there. I know there's transplants from all around the country, but are there just a lot of people walking around that love UConn basketball? Like I know in the Northeast there certainly are, but are they going to become rabid Big 12 fans? I, I just, I don't always see the correlation there. Um, but Brett Yormark was asked about UConn and Gonzaga on the podcast. And he said, those conversations are no longer. Unfortunately, things didn't work out only because the dream scenario of that in Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah unfolded before us. And that makes a lot more sense to me. So the Yukon and Gonzaga talk was really a backup plan. Okay. We're, you know, we're pushing hard to get into the West coast um, to get some Pac-12 teams. But if that doesn't happen, then we'll add Gonzaga and Yukon. And that in my mind kind of brings things full circle and gives me a better picture of what he was trying to do. I'm continually impressed with Brett Yormark. You know, sometimes I think his ideas are a little out of left field and wouldn't actually work if you tried to execute them. But again, I appreciate that he's a big ideas person, um, that he's you know always trying to innovate and get the Big 12 to a place where they are um, at the top of the college sports landscape. 
and that's admirable. Um, and I think it's great for the future of TCU in the conference. So UConn and Gonzaga, for now, they're putting a pause on that, just like TCU is putting a pause on the SMU series and the battle for the Iron Skillet. Please let me know in the comments what you think about that or on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow to end the week. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, and it's your team every day.